Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Well, good morning. We are excited that you're with us. If it's in our physical location, we are excited that you're right here on site. Or also, if you're joining us online, we are so ecstatic that you decided to hang out with us online. We know that right now, church looks a little bit different, but church is a place where we are meeting in numerous different rooms and uh, all across the city of Fort Myers and our nation. So we are excited that you are with us right now. Well, as we continue to look today, uh uh-oh, right here, there we go. As we continue to... Here we go. As we continue to uh, look today, we're going to dive in. Hopefully you had a great 4th of July, and uh, we are hoping you had some great time with your family, with your friends, whatever the case might be. We are super excited that you are here right now. Well, hey, let's dive in. We're going to look at today's big idea. This is what I want to talk to you about. It says this, and now I need your help. Now, if you're watching online, I need you to yell this at any room, maybe yell at your husband who's in the kitchen, your kids in their bedroom, if they're just waking up right now with your cup of coffee in your hand, I need your help. When it's highlighted, when it's orange, I need you to say that loud with me. And if you're in this place, I need you to say it loud with me as well. It says this, all right, here we go. When we regularly focus on Jesus, it becomes less about what we give up and more about going up. Okay, let's say that one more time. When we regularly focus on Jesus, it becomes less about what we give up and more about going up. Now, this is what I need. I need your help a little bit. If someone's around you, if someone's in your room, if someone's, if you're sitting there on the couch, I need you to turn to someone and say, you got to give up to go up. Yell it as loud as you can. You got to give up to go up. To There we go. So today we are going to be looking at a short little verse right here in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. These couple verses right here. Jesus has a pretty unique encounter with a group of disciples, his followers, these men who are right next to him, who are living life with him. In fact, he sits down and he has this hard conversation with these men. And he tells these men, this is what's going to happen to me. What's going to happen to me is I am going to die. I am going to have this crucifixion, this death in my life. But then I'm going to rise. I'm going to resurrect. Now, as these men are sitting there and they're having this this conversation, this tough, this challenging conversation with Jesus, can you imagine being there and one of your closest friends is saying, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to be raised to life in Matthew 16. Interesting, profound. So as the men are sitting there, this man by the name of Peter pulls Jesus over and says, you got to come over here, Jesus. Let me, let me have this side conversation with you. Jesus, this isn't going to happen in our life. We're not going to let this go on. And then maybe you're familiar with this statement. Jesus responds and he says this, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine right now if Jesus or someone in our lives in this room said, get behind me, Satan? We would cancel them. Like we would say, nope, culture's over. You're done. Like that is too offensive right now that you would ever say something like that to me. So Peter is having this conversation and then Jesus turns back to his disciples after the side conversation goes away. And and this is what Jesus says to the room, to the group. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, 
If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Today, we're going to be talking about this complete whole idea of committing to Jesus. And before we go any further, let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we give you this time for the reading of your word. May it minister to our hearts. May we continue to rely on you. May we trust in you. And may we take steps of faith to give up everything in our life in order to follow you. In your great name, we all say, amen. So today leads me to this hang-up. We all have aspects in our lives that we need to continually give up and get over. Continually, daily, in and out, we need to assess our heart. Craig Rochelle, he writes this book called Dangerous Prayers, and he breaks it down to three kinds of prayers. The first prayer is this, search me. And it's this prayer he prays every day, God, search my heart. So maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, well, I don't really have too much to give up. I don't really have, you know, I'm pretty square in my life. Well, let me, let me frame it this way for us. Now, maybe you're like me and you love McDonald's, right? Like, raise your hand if you're in this place. If you're online, you're probably like maybe chewing on a sausage biscuit right now, whatever the case might be. If you love McDonald's, well, growing up, I loved McDonald's, a McDouble with Mac sauce. Like, that was my go-to. Now, the older I got, I realized I couldn't really eat a McDouble with Mac sauce. I just didn't feel right. And I started to develop, develop this thing called the dad bod. So I just wasn't really able to keep up, be move, agile, hostile. I just couldn't really keep up with my physical habits. Well, sometimes in our physical habits, maybe McDonald's isn't your vice, but sometimes in our physical habits, wherever we are at, it can be a lid or a limit to our relationship with God. Maybe it's disciplines in your life. Maybe it is actually what you consume. Maybe when no one's around, it's what you drink. Sometimes we have these physical limits that deter our relationship with God. Or here we go, this is apparent shame. Maybe you're, maybe you're looking and say, Pastor Blake, like I, I live a pretty physically disciplined life. I, I'm pretty good, like my, my, my PMI is like, I'm good. Like I'm feeling healthy. Well, maybe let me, let me frame it this way. Right up here, maybe some of you don't know what this is. This is what we call an Xbox One right here. It's my own personal Xbox One. It's uh, one of the biggest distractions in my life. Uh, ultimately. And here, here's, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. When my first child was born, his name is Bodhi right now, he's four years of age. When he was first born, I had a few weeks off of work. Whenever I would have these time off work, I wish I could say I invested in that time and became a better father, a better husband. But you know what I started doing when I had all this free time when a newborn is sleeping? I started playing a lot of Xbox. To a point to a point where whenever my child would cry, I would get frustrated because I would be in the middle of a level, a mission, saying, Bodhi, why do you have to cry right now? Don't you understand that I'm busy? Like, it was, it was pretty, like, gut-wrenching parent fail. Like, my parents, they're going to be here, and they're going to see this online, and they're going to be like, yeah, we didn't raise that kind of son because that's how much shame comes in with this story. But the reality is we all have distractions in our life. Maybe it's not video games. Maybe you've never even played a video game and you wonder why people play video games. Well, a lot of people play video games. Animal Crossing, let me just throw that one out there. 
So distractions come in all ways, shapes, sizes. Maybe it's rather than going to church, you decide to hang out at the beach. Maybe it's people, whatever the case might be. Maybe what is stopping or stagnating your relationship with God is a distraction. Okay, so Pastor Blake, I'm doing good physically. I'm not distracted. I'm pretty on point. I'm focused. Well, let me talk about this one for a little bit. Maybe this one kind of comes to mind, this light bulb. When we look at this symbol, it's, it's more of this idea that happens. Maybe some of us, what deters us in our relationship with God, what stops us from moving forward in our relationship with God is we're hung up on our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own thinking. We can't get past the mistake we made years ago. Or maybe right now you turn on the news and you have a, a just concrete stance on what you believe. And you know that you know that you know what you believe is right. But you can't get past that to reach out to your neighbor and show your neighbor the love of God. So we all have these different continually lids that are placed in our life. So my question for you today is this. When it comes to these distractions, when it comes to these vices, these lids, these stagnations, is what do you need to give up in order to move forward in your relationship with God? Is it a physical habit? Is it a discipline? Is it a distraction? Is it your own way of thinking? See, Jesus talks to us here in his disciples. He says this in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about he will provide, but first you gotta seek first the kingdom of God. He also says this, he has this encounter with this man by the name of the rich young ruler. We find him in the text. It says, looking at him, Jesus felt love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But this is the response. He says, but at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving and he was the one who owned much property. So we can infer right here in this story that the, the rich young ruler didn't give everything away because he didn't stay with Jesus. Or even the psalmist, I love what the psalmist advises, says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonder, wonderful works, I will meditate. First and foremost, are we looking and keeping God first? See, Apostle Paul, we're going to look real quick at this encounter that he has in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for the rest of our time this morning where he teaches us and shows us how we can give and, and stay and keep Jesus in focus. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12 reads this, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are, pressed on every, by, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Paul continues, and he's writing to this Corinthian church. He says, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul continues in verse 11. He says, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in, here we go, this is where the going up part gets in eternal life 
for you. See, Paul is writing to this church of Corinth on this idea. He's addressing his leadership. He sees that there's disunity happening here in the church of Corinth. And he's talking about this, and then he even goes into this this conversation about living a moral life. See, today when we just read this text in 2 Corinthians, we're going to pull five observations on how Paul teaches us we can give up and go up. The first one is this. We give up and go up by staying put together when hard pressed. By staying put together when hard pressed. We are perplexed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. These are the fir- this is the first of four statements that Paul makes. This is known in literary as, literary as a curriculum vitae. And in other words, what Paul establishes, there's an exploit, there's an abuse, but then he highlights his accomplishment. So what is Paul talking about? What do you mean, we're, we're, uh, what do you mean Paul, that we were pressed on every side? but we were not crushed. What are you talking about? See, in Acts chapter 23, we see this encounter that Paul has. He's running for his life. He engages with these people called the Pharisees and Sadducees. They're not liking what Paul has to say. He's challenging their religious norm. He's challenging their rules, their standards, their life, and Paul's hitting it head on. And this is happening in the province of Asia, and as Paul's doing this, his life becomes under threat. So much so that when you read through Acts 23, you see that Paul has this encounter with God, and God says, Paul, you're not done testifying in Jerusalem. You're not done testifying in this influential city. You're also soon going to testify your story, what's happened to you in the city of Rome, the epicenter of the modern and current world. But Paul, at this time in Acts 23, he is struggling, he's hurting, he's in pain. He doesn't know what to do. The life is being squeezed out of him. See, Paul had to give something up. He had to give his health and comfort up. And he went up by not being crushed. See, in 2 Corinthians, we see this. He even reflects it here early on in his book. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia, Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. He was crushed. It's been said your comfort zone is your danger zone. Meaning nothing great happens in your comfort zone. Paul knew this. He gave up his health, his comfort. Some of us in this room who are watching online, wherever you might be, some of the greatest inhibitors that we face, some of the greatest deterrents that we face are staying comfortable and safe. But when it comes to giving up 100% of Jesus or committing everything to Jesus, it means that we're even willing to risk that. So I believe some of us here right now listening when your safety, when your comfort, wherever you are at, I want to encourage you, pray those bold prayers, pray those audacious prayers, step out in times of uncertainty, present, uh, seize opportunities in your life. See, we need, to be able to, we need to be able to give up the ease of life for our everlasting life. Number two, we give up and go up by doing this, relying on God for answers and directions. It says this, 2 Corinthians 4.8, Paul continues, this is the second uh, curriculum vitae that Paul, remember, again, he's going with what is the exploit is, 
He was perplexed, but not driven to despair. He was perplexed. They were perplexed. They were confused. They didn't know what to do. They came out of blocking, out of moment, but they were not driven to hopelessness. To some of you, I just want to encourage you, whatever you're facing, whatever's going through in your life, you might be in that moment of where you feel hopeless. Hang in there. Paul is saying, do not lose sight here. See, Paul had to give up this in his life when he's reflecting on that trying time in Acts 23. He had to give up his calmness and certainty. Some of us, Pastor Goss, he spoke this amazing message uh, a, a couple weeks ago. It says, trust before clarity. Many times we want clarity, we want the right steps, but we're not trusting God. Paul understood that he had to trust God. Psalms 9:18 it continues it says but God will never forget the needy the hope of the afflicted will never perish there's hope in every circumstance don't lose sight of that there's this technique called the double blind method see before researchers understood and pharmacists understood they had uh, chemical components of drugs they they came up with this testing method because they were confused and they were uh, they were mystified so what would happen is before double blind testing came into play uh, doctors, they would d- distribute different chemical drugs to attack a problem for someone who was uh, maybe going through an illness, whatever was going on in their lives. So then when the doctors would see the result, they were confused because the chemical components were made up of something so entirely different. How were they getting the same results from two different pills? They were confused. They, they, they were perplexed in a sense, confused. So they had to look at every variable whenever this test or whenever these drugs were administered. And the one thing that they honed in on was the power of human hope. They overlooked that. See, what was happening is when a doctor would administer these tests, sometimes the the result would change by how the doctor gave the pill away. If the doctor came with a smile and said, hey, like here, here's here's this medicine, you might be okay, and and maybe had a little positive pep in their step, or just smiled, or or spoke sweetly and softly. That would leave that patient with a glimmer of hope that could ultimately make up a new chemistry outlook in their body, the power of human hope. See, the resilience of always knowing that God is in complete control, that no matter how hopeless or despair we might be, God is hope. Paul knew that. No matter what was going on, no matter how confused he was, he could rely on God. Number three for us, we give up and go up by doing this, holding on to God's approval. Paul continues in his third exploit. He says, we are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. Paul knew that his approval only came from one place. He gave up his peace He gave up his acceptance by only searching for God's approval. Now, you and I, we both know there is craziness happening in our culture. I mean, I even got onto a couple websites and there's no mention of July 4th and kind of broke my heart because I always loved July 4th. Like, what America, the freedom, the liberty to meet or not to meet for our religious beliefs is incredible in our lives. But see, this is what it's important to understand what Paul is saying, that Paul gives up his peace, he gives up his acceptance. 
See, I, I bet if I challenge you, you're familiar with the CHOP zone in Seattle. I mean, some of us probably don't ever want to mention anything like that. But if you took your Bible and you read the New Testament and you said it softly, you said it nicely, and you were in downtown Seattle and you were just a kind individual and you stood on a soapbox and you just read it, I guarantee you would offend a lot of people. People wouldn't like what you had to say. And it wouldn't even be your own opinion, it would be God's opinion. See, Paul understood that when it, comes to come, when it comes to following Christ, when it comes to following Jesus, that means there's going to be times when that you are going to want to hang on to being accepted. You're going to want to hang on to that peace in your life. But ultimately, you have to be willing to give that over to God. See, John 15 even says, or 2 Corinthians, we're hunted down but never abandoned. John 15, this is what Jesus is saying to, again, his followers, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Don't seek the approval. He continues, Proverbs 29, 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. I even love what Paul says to his protege, Timothy. He says this, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed of who correctly handles the word of truth. How do you be approved? By handling God's word of truth correctly. See, I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, never chase respect. Never chase approval. Live an honorable life, a God-fearing life, and respect will come. I get to hang out with students, as you just heard. I'm a student ministries pastor here at Faith. Love it. I have some in this room that are serving diligently. You see them holding signs. It's an awesome time. Like, you guys are my people. Come on now. Like, let's go. And I always encourage parents, though, to adopt this roof rule, I call it. If they live under your roof, then they abide by your rules. No matter what happens, some of the biggest things, an epidemic, I, I don't know if I should, I should say that word right now, but an epidemic is social media. Now, the reality is you can engage with social media or you don't have to. I mean, the, the truth is students everywhere are on social media. So you just have to accept it in a sense. If you say, hey, don't be on social media, they're probably not going to listen to you because everybody is on social media. Their friends are on social media. But one thing you have to fight against, students, hear me, if you're a young adult, wherever you're at, if you have thoughts in your mind, do not chase the approval of somebody else on social media, chase God's approval above it all. The roof rule, adopt it, apply it. Say you heard it from church, and even if you have to, say Pastor Goss said it, so it carries more weight. Number four for us today is this. We give up and go up by remaining strong against all odds. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. When I was 22, I bought a motorcycle. I thought it was cool. It was a Yamaha 1100. Don't laugh at me. It was a metric bike. I couldn't afford a Harley. Um, and uh, I was riding one day, got hit by a car. No lie. Uh, we're going one way. Uh, there's two lanes on a one way. Car cuts me off, hits me. I go into a fence. Okay, fence basically catches me running 40, 45 miles an hour. I, I'm shook up. I, a lot's going through my mind. Uh, but this is the number one thing that was going through my mind is that my permit just expired a week. And so if the cops arrive, rose, uh, came up on the scene, am I going to get in trouble? 
Like, am I going to get a ticket? Is my dad going to get mad at me because I was really borrowing his bike? And uh, man, like it was banged up. It was bruised up. So the college student gets out of his car. He's like with his mom. They're, they're like, hey, are you okay? We have cars honking, screaming, like what's going on? It was a pretty kind of chaotic scene. And the only thing that would come to mind, I was like, all right, I don't think anything's broken. I'm hyped up on adrenaline. I just got to ride the bike home and get home to mom and dad. And then I can just say, hey, I got hit by a car. No big deal. We just got to call insurance. Here's the information. So I'm get back, I get back on my bike, the wheels, you know, like the classic when you have that two-wheel cycle, you know, I'm talking like the wheels facing this way, handlebars are that way, and, and it was one of those moments in my life that uh, it, it, it rattled me, I'm not going to lie. And uh, I end up telling this story with some of my friends, and they, they turn to me and they go, hey man, you've heard of people who ride motorcycles, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, they're cool, they're awesome, they're the ideal American man, freedom, 4th of July, let's go. And they're like, yeah, there's two kinds of bike riders. I'm like, oh, yeah? They're like, yeah, the ones that get knocked down and hit the asphalt. And then there's also the other ones that will get knocked down and hit the asphalt. I'm like, I wish someone would have told me that before I bought a motorcycle. Reality is this. In our life, you're going to get knocked down. There's going to be times when you're going to be elevated in positions of strength. Paul he was elevated in a position of strength. He had poise. He commanded the martyr, the first martyr, Stephen. It says they come and they lay they, they, their cloaks down in front of Paul at his approval in Acts. Paul had a position of strength. He had, a, he had poise, but he had to give that up. Some of us in here, you have a position of strength. You have a position of poise. You have a posture that's elevated. You have to give that up. Whatever the case might be, whatever you're facing, whatever is happening in your heart, in your mind, you have to say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you. I'm done hanging on to my life. I want to give it up so I can go up. Psalms 37, Psalms 37, 24 says this, though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them up by the hand. Hebrews 5, 8 says, oh, although he is a son, and this is where we're talking about Jesus here, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Which leads me to number five as we wrap up our time together this morning is this. We give up and go up by knowing that Jesus brings truth and life to each of us. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul continues in verse 11, he says, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in, here we go, here we go, this has resulted in eternal life for you, giving up for him, giving up and going up. See, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul writes, in one of his first letters to the Corinth church, he says, I die every day. See, many times when you read this passage, we think of that one moment that Christ hung on the cross. We think, okay, Christ died. Paul is highlighting here, Christ lived and died daily. He was harassed. He was mocked. He was jeered. Pharisees, Sadducees, they questioned him. They didn't like him. Paul is saying right here, 
every day I die. He's sharing in the burden of Christ so that others, so that us, so that people that came, people that went, people that will be here can know Christ. Paul continues to share the death of Christ. Again, highlighting Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Today, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, no matter what is happening in your life, that you give up and go up. Just as Paul was an example for us, just as Christ tells his fellow believers, no matter what has happened in your life, continually give up and go up. My hope for you is this. This week as we continue to move on, as we continue to look and, and, and absorb what's happening in culture, I mean, so many times it's, it's easy to be distracted. Like, hey, I'm giving up, well, what am I giving up? I'm giving up heritage, I'm giving up freedom, I'm giving up my thoughts. What are, what are you saying? No, what I'm saying is this, exactly that we don't need to focus on what we're gonna lose. We need to focus on Christ and about going up. Then everything else comes in perspective. So here's my hope for you this week. We evaluate areas in our lives that we need to give up so we can focus on what it means to go up. Maybe you have some physical things in your life that you need to uh, look at. Have someone in your life that you need to discuss some things that are happening to you physically. Maybe you need to alter some things in your life. Maybe you have some distractions that you need to square up and you need to reprioritize what's going on. Or maybe there's some ideas, some thoughts, some hangups that you need to look at in your life. Wherever you might be, I want to encourage you daily evaluate. Say, God, search my heart. I want to honor you. I want to give everything over every part of my fabric, every part of my being. I want to give up so I can focus on going up and spending life with you. Some practical ways for us to do is maybe you need a journal. Maybe you just need to start seeing your mistakes. Maybe you need to start seeing some of the things that is going on in your life and you just need to write it out where you can read it and look at it. Maybe you have some hard conversations with your spouse, close friends. Hey, what do you see happening in my life? Maybe you just need someone to hold you accountable. Maybe you need to pursue some professional manner of counseling. Whatever needs to go on in your life, continue to pray, God, search my heart. God, I want to give up everything for you. Let's close in prayer this morning. God, we give you this time. We say thank you for giving us the freedom to worship you, to call in your name. God, right now I pray for those individuals in here that something's going on, something is happening in their life, wherever they're being stirred, whatever's pressing on their mind, I pray that you help them to give up those pressures of life, give up to those hangups in life, give up to those complexities in life and give them over to you. Because God, it's ultimately about focusing on going up and praising you and focusing on your love of what Jesus, your sons did for each and every one of us. God, I pray that you continue to minister in our hearts. Be with those who are making a commitment to Christ. Be with those who right now 
have some serious heart evaluation that they need to look at. Give them strength. Help them to always hold on hope as we were encouraged to do so today. God, for that, for knowing that you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, may we give up everything over to him so that for your sake we will be saved. In your great and holy name, all of us in this room and online say amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.